I have never in my life sat down and ate only two cookies. You've got to be kidding me. Hello, listener. It's my job today to introduce your soon-to-be favorite podcaster. At least your favorite podcast when you're on a trip that's a little longer than usual and you've already burned through all the new episodes of your other favorite podcast. She's soon to be your new favorite podcaster. She's a woman who's accomplished many things in her life. She's published a novel. She served in the U.S. military. She's owned her own business. She started numerous blogs, one of which almost had three postings. And she's got a problem with cursing, but she's working on it. She'll steal your heart while she's stealing your Wi-Fi. She's the mother of my children and the yin to my yang. And truly, hopefully, your yang as well. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife, Crystal Petrello. Nauseous. Tired. Hoping you're not pregnant again. Think it might actually be perimenopause. Pregnancy might actually be a better option in this case. You might actually be having a heart attack. Today, let's talk about the symptoms of a heart attack in women specifically and how to prevent heart disease. Because women are more likely to experience nausea, tiredness, jaw pain than we are to have these chest-grabbing heart pains that you see in the movies. Knowing the symptoms of a heart attack are key to getting fast attention and possibly save your life. As we start Heart Month, the prevalence is real. Heart disease is the leading cause of death in America, and you are twice as likely to die from preventable heart disease if you are a Black adult. So overall, what is heart disease? Per the Mayo Clinic, heart disease is a range of issues that affect the heart. Everywhere from disease the heart muscle, heart valve disease, congenital heart disease, which is close to my heart because I was born with heart issues. But today we're going to focus on things that we can prevent. Coronary heart disease and arrhythmias, kind of those or what we see as those irregular heartbeats. We're going to focus on how to decrease our cholesterol and we're going to figure out how to decrease that consistently high blood pressure. In order to prevent something, you gotta know where you're starting in order to correct it. And by knowing your lab numbers and understanding what those numbers mean can help gauge where you are going in the next step of your prevention process. First, let's talk about cholesterol. Your total cholesterol, it's a summary of your good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, and your triglycerides. Now, it's not just some simple math equation like HDL plus LDL equals total cholesterol. It's actually something that the lab does for you. So it's not just a simple math problem. But your total cholesterol, you want that to be 200. We measure that in milligrams per deciliter or less. So 200 or less for your total cholesterol. But if your total cholesterol is higher than 200, that doesn't mean you have heart disease. Let me explain the rest of the numbers to paint the whole picture. Your total cholesterol is made up of LDL, HDL, and triglycerides. 
First, I'm going to explain LDL or your lousy cholesterol. That is something you want to be lower. We want this number to be 100 or less. LDL is that stuff that gunks up your arteries. We call it plaque. And if you have a lot of those plaques, we call it atherosclerosis. One of those for me that's always been difficult to say. So that is your LDL. We want that 100 or less. Your HDL or the number you want higher to be able to protect you from the ramifications of that bad cholesterol, consider that the cleanup crew of all those plaques and the damage that they make in your arteries. They want to be, you want those to be higher. So for females, you want that to be 50 or higher. For males, you want that to be 40 or higher. So LDL less than 100, HDL either higher than 40 or 50 for females. For your triglycerides, you want that to be 150 or less. And we'll explain more on how to help all of these numbers when I'm done explaining the numbers, but I want you to make sure you understand these numbers first. You want triglycerides to be 150 or less. And the HDL to total cholesterol ratio. This is really what we're starting to look at for your risk of developing or having heart disease. You want this number to be 3.5 or less. It's really showing us how well our good cholesterol is protecting us. So 3.5 or less reflects having your HDL and your LDL in a good place. For a blood pressure, we want that to be less than 120 over 80. Blood pressure is that number that they get when they squeeze your arm with that cuff. You want that number to be less than 120 over 80. The number on the ratio that is the higher number on top, that's your systolic, that's the highest number because that is the effort exerted when your heart is pumped. So when it's at full tension, that is the amount of pressure that is exerted on your vessels, where your bottom number, that diastolic number, is what the pressure looks like on your blood vessels when your heart is at rest. So during that rest period, in between those major beats, that is the pressure exerted. So you want that to be less than 120 over 80. Now, another caveat I have to add in here is that if you have diabetes, you are more likely to develop heart disease. But with the combination of your medications, correcting your diet and working with your diet and exercise, and of course, uh, being consistent with your doctor, Managing that diabetes can help you prevent heart disease. Now some lifestyle changes. Well, you're going to put down the ice cream and you're going to pick up the broccoli. No, I'm kidding. That seems to be what people think that you need to do, but this is not necessarily true. Maybe eat less ice cream and make sure you're eating vegetables, but you don't have to stop completely eating the things that you enjoy. Maybe it's just the amount or how often we consume them. When it comes to prevention, especially of events like heart attack and stroke, working in healthcare so often, people say, oh, I'm going to try the lifestyle changes. I don't want to take the medicine. I don't want to do what my doctor has told me to do. Well, 
in this case, especially in this case, that medicine can be life-saving until you've made enough lifestyle changes to be able to possibly decrease or eliminate those medicines. So if your doctor says take medicine, take the medicine, make some life, live long enough to make some lifestyle changes, and then talk to your doctor about gradually decreasing or eliminating the medications altogether. I'm going to simplify the recommendations for helping your heart, and then I will explain what this means. Stop eating so much crap and takeout and things that are packaged that you're getting from the convenience store and eat more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and lean meats. Y'all know this, so let's just do it. There's a reason that these recommendations are there, not just to push more tomatoes and apples on you, because yeah, that's been working. It's really to help prevent heart disease, to help manage diabetes, to help with our weight, to make sure we get enough nutrition overall to be able to help our immune system to fight off illness. So overall, just eat less crap and eat more fruits and vegetables, more plant foods. So there we go. Less crap, more plant foods. Let's dive in. Why is that? Overall, we're going to decrease our salt and our sodium, which isn't just coming from that table salt. It may not be what you think it is. And we're going to decrease that saturated and that trans fat and possibly alcohol. For men, if you're having more than two glasses a day, women more than one glass a day, You want to limit, possibly even eliminate it if you feel like you can't live without it. Then we have a whole nother issue we need to talk about. But truly, for women, one glass a day, men, two glasses a day. So we're decreasing our salt and sodium. Salt, sodium, same thing. Fat from trans fat and saturated fat. We're going to increase. So it's not just decreasing one thing and adding another thing. We're literally swapping these things out on our plate. We're essentially going to make goals to push the unhealthy things off the plate and fill it with good, healthy things that you're going to feel fuller longer on less calories and less of that saturated fat. We are going to increase our potassium coming from food, not from supplements. We're going to swap out those unhealthy fats for unsaturated fats. And we'll talk more about that. And of course, I would be mistaken if I didn't at least mention we have to increase exercise. So push away from the bar and pick up a dumbbell. A total of 150 minutes a week, so 30 minutes a day, five days a week, of some type of exercise that's going to raise your heart rate. For some of us, that's just going to be a really nice walk. For others, it might be a little bit more. So you're going to go for a walk. Or if you're somebody who likes your exercise really intense, like that high-intensity interval training, you only need about 75 minutes of that. So if you don't die and pass out after those 75 minutes. We also need at least two times a week, we need resistance training. So that can be anywhere from yoga. So you're lifting your body, you're providing resistance to those muscles, but it has to be 
all of this exercise, whether it's cardio or lifting weights, has to be something more than you do in your already everyday work life. So if you're a construction worker, yes, that does mean even though you're already very active, you have to add another 30 minutes on top of that. So it's above and beyond what you already do consistently throughout your week. Always ask your doctor before you start an exercise regimen. If getting more exercise in your day as a working parent and having to deal with sick kids wasn't hard enough, now we're going to eat less of those high fat, high sodium comfort foods, and we are going to swap them out for healthier options. The two main things you want to change. You want to swap out your fats and you want to increase your fiber. Let me explain. You're going to eat less fat that is saturated. Saturated fat is solid at room temperature. We're talking about butter, clarified butter or ghee, lard, coconut oil, these type of things we want to consume less of. And take out food that we have been consuming a lot more of in the past couple of years needs to decrease because primarily that is what restaurants cook with because it tastes good. So swapping out so much saturated fat when we're cooking or overall decreasing our amount of takeout and swapping that for an unsaturated fat. Unsaturated fats are liquid at room temperature. Olive oil, canola oil, avocado oil mainly are the ones that people are using right now, depending on what you need and what the flavor is that you're going for. I primarily saute with canola oil, or you can even saute with a fat-free things such as broth, but I primarily cook with canola oil, and then I dress my salads and add flavor with olive oil. So I do not cook with olive oil. That is a choice of mine, but I still use it. Another thing we want to eliminate altogether is trans fat. Trans fat does two things to our cholesterol. It increases our bad cholesterol and decreases that protective good cholesterol, where saturated fat only increases the bad cholesterol. So you see how trans fat can be detrimental in the sense of it's decreasing the thing that's actually supposed to be protecting you. So we want to eliminate and decrease trans fat altogether. This is something you're going to see on packaged items. It's really hard for us to make our own trans fat in our own home. It's usually created by a mechanical or a chemical process. So these are the things we're going to see in our processed foods. The nice thing is, is it helps extend shelf life and helps with food security. But the problem is, like we have said, if we have the ability to not buy trans fats, let's try not to because it does affect our cholesterol and heart health. Another way you can know if there's trans fat in a food besides the label, if there is a half a gram or less per serving of trans fat, they can put zero on their serving size for their serving size. So let's say you want two cookies. I have never 
in my life sat down and ate only two cookies. You've got to be kidding me. So if there is 0.49 grams of trans fat in those two cookies, and I sit down and I eat four, let's be honest, six of them, it is possible I am consuming one to almost one and a half grams of trans fat. If the recommendation is to have less than two grams in an entire day, and even that's high, I have already almost met my limit. So the way I can tell without looking at the label is to look at the ingredient list. If you look at the ingredient list and it says partially hydrogenated any type of oil, cottonseed oil is one that I see often, partially hydrogenated oil means that there is a trans fat in there, but it's less than half a gram per serving. So just be aware of that. Just because it says zero on the calorie label doesn't mean there's not trans fat at all. All right, so that's trans fat. Eliminate that, swapping out your saturated fats for unsaturated fats. But then you say, well, what about my ice cream? Well, just eat less of it. I love ice cream myself. So when I was pregnant, I would have a bowl every day. It was my thing every night before bed, had my ice cream, uh, did not gain too much weight. It was the only thing that I craved. Besides hard-boiled eggs, I still can't explain that one. Anyways, now that I have had my children and I'm trying to lose that baby weight, we're definitely only having ice cream at the most once a week. So being aware that sometimes if you want a good thing just to decrease the amount of it, there are fat substitutes out there, but sometimes they can have not so pleasant side effects. So I myself prefer to eat the real thing, just less of it. So we've talked about swapping our fats. Now we're going to increase our fiber. Fiber only comes from plants, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Obviously, we know we need to eat these, but the average American only eats two servings or less a day of fruits and vegetables and French fries count and are the number one thing that we consume. So We could clearly do better here. Those marketers are not doing a very good job at pushing all those colors of the rainbow. This does not mean that we can never have regular pasta again. What the goal is, is that half of our grains should be whole grains. Swap out maybe the bread that you use, or instead of using white rice, use brown rice, or even try something else. A whole grain could be something like quinoa. You could try something very different like amaranth. There's many different things that you can do to swap out for whole grains. And then increase your fruits and vegetables. This does not have to be a clean sweep of, oh my gosh, I all of a sudden have to get five servings or nine servings of fruits and vegetables in. If you're an average American and you're only getting maybe two a day, just increase by one this week. So maybe switch out one of your snacks instead of having that Snickers candy bar to having an apple and maybe a little piece of low-fat cheese. That way you're having a nice balanced snack that you're not going to end up crashing a couple hours later because now you're tired after the sugar high and you're getting some fiber and good nutrients in there. So fruits, vegetables, and whole grains aren't just for the fiber, but you get phytochemicals, we call plant chemicals, 
we get those antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. Canned, fresh, or frozen fruits and vegetables all count. It just depends on how you're going to use it and what matches what you need for your budget and your pocketbook. So if I'm going to make a soup and I don't necessarily need fresh vegetables in there, I will get frozen vegetables for it. But if I'm cooking up sauteed peppers and onions, of course I'm going to get fresh, but it all counts. Now, as we move into how this results in decreasing your sodium, we need to make sure and drain the liquid off those canned vegetables and rinse them off to remove all the excess sodium. So you don't necessarily have to buy no salt added cans. You can buy the normal stuff and just rinse it off. And then when you heat it up, you heat it in water so you don't scald the bottom of your pan and destroy that vegetable in the first place. How is all of this going to decrease our sodium? Most of the sodium, more than 70% of the sodium that and salt that we consume in America does not come from the table. It comes from packaged and processed foods and from our takeout. So as we're swapping out to have less takeout and eat more fruits and vegetables, you see how this works? You're going to consume less sodium. As long as you're not adding a whole bunch of salt-laden seasoning to those vegetables. Another thing that we're also, as a result, increasing is that potassium. Potassium does the opposite of sodium. Sodium increases your blood pressure, where potassium helps decrease your blood pressure. Potassium is naturally occurring in, you guessed it, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Once again, the recommendation to have fruits, vegetables, and whole grains is not arbitrary, and all of them count. I don't care if it's organic, conventional, frozen, made in your backyard, grown hydroponically, just eat it. People, don't miss the forest through the trees. Just do the best where you're at when you can, all right? We're going to have our days that we just really need that ice cream, but as long as we're not doing that all the time, we're going to be getting somewhere. Overall, the goal should be to increase our fiber through fruits, vegetables, and whole grains and decrease our saturated fat by swapping out how we are cooking our food and the different oils that we're cooking with and decreasing the amount of takeout that we consume. And overall, we will see a decrease in the amount of sodium and increase in the amount of heart healthy potassium. To help you assess and write your goals, if you go to the website, crystalpetrello.com, my website, you if you put your email in and become part of the newsletter list, you will get a PDF of how to write goals. And it was originally made for creating your New Year's resolutions, but it's still kind of the new year. And it walks you through how to create goals that are attainable so you don't feel defeated. And we update those every quarter. And we're always changing and growing as people, especially in different seasons of our life. So I recommend going to the website, getting yourself that PDF, and start writing some goals to make these healthy changes, especially if you already have a high risk factor such as heart disease runs in your family, or you already have some labs that just don't look right. In closing, 
I would be remiss if I didn't talk about heart attack symptoms. A heart attack is a result of blocking the blood flow and thereby oxygen to a section of the heart. But typical symptoms of heart attack can be continuous or intermittent pressure, squeezing fullness, or pain in the center of the chest. But some people never experience these symptoms, especially women. We need to be aware of the other symptoms, like I talked about in the beginning, that herald a heart attack. We've got cold sweats. We've got shortness of breath. We've got abdominal pain. We've got paleness or clammy skin, unusual fatigue, dizziness or lightheadedness, shoulder, neck, jaw, arm, or back pain, heart flutters, nausea or vomiting, and inability to sleep. So if you have any of these symptoms and it's just not right, call 911. Quick treatment saves lives. I will also put in the show notes more information of places to go, such as the American Heart Association for tips, for recipes, and things like that. So make sure and take a look at the show notes. My call to action for you is to get that goals workbook to start writing out some goals to better your overall health and to dig deep at what your motivation is for changing your lifestyle to better your health. Your motivation might have been different in a different season in your life. You might have liked to exercise in your 20s to be able to fit in those little jeans. But now that you're a parent, for me, it's not necessarily about that. It would be nice. But let's be honest, probably not going to be that size again. It's about being healthy. It's about being able to see my grandkids one day. It's about being able to watch my daughter walk down the aisle one day. My motivation has changed into longevity and the amount of activity that I have in my life and not just looking good. So my encouragement to you is to make those goals, to dig deep at your motivation, because even on your really tough days, you're going to remember why you want to do this after all. Come back for next podcast. We're going to be talking about Lent and Easter and Fat Tuesday and and everything that we think of when it comes to spring and Christianity. So I look forward to talking about that in our next podcast. (laughs) 